Hello and welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. I'm Bruce Edwards. The United Nations says access to drinking water and sanitation is key to all aspects of human development. And yet many countries are still struggling to effectively manage their water supplies. While it's often about overuse in the world's more advanced economies, the lack of water is the problem for many developing countries in dry regions like Sub-Saharan Africa. The IMF recently published a study on the world's water demand supply imbalance and cited Burkina Faso as an example of how efficient water resource management can improve a country's economic prospects. Over a period of two decades, in urban areas at least, access to water doubled in Burkina Faso, which is quite amazing since it's a country with almost one of the lowest supplies of water in the world. The IMF report says water subsidies provided through public water utilities amounted to $456 billion in 2012 and suggests water pricing reforms are needed to improve conservation and investment in aging infrastructure. Laura Redifer is the IMF's mission chief for Burkina Faso and one of the study's authors. I asked her first to explain how water subsidies work. Well, a subsidy occurs any time what people pay for the water is less than the cost of getting the water. So generally, subsidies exist almost ubiquitously. They're across sub-Saharan Africa. Um, And governments have to take proactive measures to make sure that people pay enough to cover the costs of the water. And it's a question of how they they pay to cover the costs. So, So at this point, are people paying what it actually costs? In most places, no. Um, That's why we used Burkina Faso as one example in the water paper, because in fact, they do um, have a tariff level for the first tier of usage that's quite low. It's subsidized. You pay something, but not what it costs to get it. And then for if you're a household or a business and you use more water above a certain amount, you pay a higher amount. And above that, you pay an even higher amount. So those Those upper tiers, in fact, subsidize the lower tiers, so it all pays for itself. So, in fact, by the time you get to the upper tiers, you're paying more for the water than what it costs for that increment to be delivered. And how effective is that at, uh, you know, providing or making sure that the the lower income or the, the poor can afford to get access to water? Well, there's a variety of ways. And in that case, in fact, they're paying a very low nominal amount for the first tier of water usage. But in rural areas, it has to be done differently. You can't necessarily do it via tariffs because people have shared water sources. So a different way to do it could be to um, subsidize making the connection, a, a common water source, a pump in a town. Um, that's put in on a subsidized basis and people have free access to it. Or you can also subsidize connections people have to the water, to the water grid um, to, if, they're piped, if there's piped water. So there are a variety of ways to do subsidies. One is through pricing and others are through kind of more direct methods such as building free pumps or subsidizing connections. There are, you know, so many economies in, in um, sub-Saharan Africa are, are tied directly to agriculture. Mm-hmm. So how are these countries managing their limited water supply 
um, given that agriculture is so water dependent. Yeah, in fact, agriculture is the main use of water um, in Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, Burkina is actually a, a specific case because it sits on a crystalline surface and you can't actually dig a well. Uh, so they're entirely dependent on water that falls from the sky and water that runs in the rivers and collects in the reservoirs, uh, which is why they've they've done a lot in terms of extensive building of dams and access to these is very strictly regulated. One uh, example that we use in the paper is the Bagre Reservoir. It's called the Bagre Growth Pole. The government 30 years ago relocated people outside of this, this valley. It was a river basin. Um, flooded it, allowed it to flood to create this reservoir. And now they have an extensive system of irrigation and canals, and so they grow all of these diverse types of crops. Uh, they have a fishery. They, they do fishing in the thing. It's, they stock it. They have a fish hatchery. They have ecotourism. They have a dam on the bottom side that provides hydroelectric power for both Ouagadougou and in Ghana. So it's, it's, very, it's a very innovative um, way of having handled the water scarcity. Mm. So in the, the paper also suggests that, uh, and uses uh, the Burkina Faso uh, as a case in point, that um, you know, generally uh, independent organizations are better at, at managing uh, water resources. Um, why is that? Well, I think that's true. Um, and in fact, we're thinking about those things for the energy sector as well. What they did in this case was the state-owned water company, Onia, basically started with three-year contracts, rolling contracts with the government. Um, experts were hired from international experts were hired, and they were put in as the second tier of management in the institution. And they were given performance-based uh, pay schemes plus really rigorous um, performance contract monitoring. So every single day, in fact, the quality of water, the reliability of water, all these aspects are monitored. And over a period of two decades, um, in urban areas at least, access to water doubled. So they were able, they're nearly universal access in urban areas in, in Burkina Faso, which is quite amazing since it's a country with a, almost one of the lowest supplies of water in the world. So it's, they've really done a great job managing. And so are uh, neighboring countries or other countries in the region looking at Burkina as a, as a good example of, of what they might be uh, undertaking? Yeah, in fact, uh, this, this example of ONIA, the, the public water utility in Burkina, is used by most countries as the big example of how you can really turn a public utility around and make it more efficient and deliver services more efficiently and become, you know, work more on cost recovery and to make sure it was financially sustainable. So it's an awful lot about management and wise management um, and how well you can service the population. And obviously, lack of access to water is huge. Okay, so um, water issues isn't something that you would expect the IMF to get too involved in. Why, does the, why is the IMF interested in, in uh, water resource issues? Well, aside from the fact that water is considered a basic human right, both in the, the Millennium Development Goals and in the forthcoming Sustainable Development Goals, um, it actually has a lot of relevance for um, macroeconomic stability and growth. Certainly, um, again, we've been talking about Burkina Faso. We can almost predict 
the growth rate based on the rainfall in any given year because agriculture is such a big part of the economy and the amount of rainfall is so important in terms of determining the, the outcome of the harvest every year. And that then determines food the next year, the, the availability of food and food prices the next year. So in fact, you know, in many countries that do struggle with water issues, water is a key component of economic growth. And so, so is that uh, across the board in, in the region where growth is so tied to access to water? Well, I think it varies. I think, you know, in, in Burkina where there's good access to drinking water, the agricultural link is the more important one. And somewhere like Democratic Republic of Congo, where there's lack of access to drinking water and sanitation, it's the impact on, on life and productivity and education and all aspects of people being productive, you know. Um, those have a huge macroeconomic impact as well. So why is there so much waste if it's, uh, if it's so important? Um, because people haven't had proper water pricing and gotten incentives to use water carefully because of that pricing. Um, in Burkina, because the pricing is more appropriate, people are very, very conservative with how they use water. Water is precious. It's treated as precious uh, because it's scarce and it costs a lot. The um, growing population is a, is a concern, you know, all over the world, uh, but uh, particularly in, in sub-Saharan Africa, the, the population is, is uh, expected to double in the next you know, 30 years. Um, so, so what does that mean for water resources? Oh, bad things. Um, for sub-Saharan Africa as a whole, the population growth rate is 2.5% a year, and Burkina is even higher at 3% a year. And we did a, just a rough estimation of you know, keeping supplies roughly constant, but also adjusting for the fact that there's encroaching desertification, there's some sort of pollution from mining activities and like. So a little bit of diminishing of supply, but really looking at demand, holding per, per, per capita usage the same, but just in growing the population growth rate. And doing that, we found that the supply is exceeded by demand in something like 10 years, even for Burkina. So it's obviously a huge problem, even when you're managing it carefully. That was Lore Redifer, Mission Chief for Burkina Faso, talking about the IMF's new study on water resource management entitled, Is the Glass Half Empty or Half Full? You can read more about this report in Finance and Development magazine by going to imf.org slash fnd or read the full report at imf.org. You can also hear more podcasts like this one while you're there, or go to soundcloud.com slash imf dash podcasts. <laughs>